0: everybody! I am back in the office. It's been school holidays, and both myself and my uh, gorgeous guest interviewee, author uh, Francis Cosway, uh, we've both been on school holidays. You've enjoyed them with your kids, Francis?
1: Yeah, it's been really nice. Actually, we've done a few things just with my girls uh, separately, so it's been it's been good.
0: Yeah, I love it. And I'm back in Melbourne after a month up in Queensland. So. I'm excited to be in routine. This is what gets my week going and I hope it does for a lot of you guys. And we're here to learn about, you know, the top three tips to create your forever home. A little bit different to some other topics we've spoken about. And Francis and I were just taking a trip down um Memory lane. How long ago she actually completed uh, the program? And we worked out it was five and a half years ago. Um, and recently, you and I bumped into each other at a conference, and she said, "I've been seeing you doing these interviews. When are you going to interview me?" And and I said, of course, I want to interview you because she's so busy doing amazing things with with her business and her life and all that sort of stuff. It's wonderful to share now a journey that's gone through like, you know, a number of years after the fact rather than someone who's, say, freshly published. So let me Mm. guys give you the official introduction of her is, and then uh, we'll get stuck into the content. So Frances is an award-winning interior designer with over 15 years' experience creating forever homes for her clients. She's also a published author and sought-after public speaker, frequently presenting at home shows across Australia. Frances emphasises on design is about... Combining functionality, sustainability and aesthetics to create a home that is a reflection of its owners by drawing out their personality and wishes rather than a cookie cutter approach following trends. The outcome is always a home that reflects the lifestyle and loves of its owners with unique touches creating an emotional connection to their home. I love that. All righty. So show us your book. Show 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 these guys your book. Uh, what it looks like and the picture on on that uh, cover is your home. Is it your current forever home?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. My current forever home. Yes, it is my forever home. I, we've been here. We built this home uh, seven years ago, mm-hmm.
0: and
1: uh, it was it's an award winning sustainable home. So it was quite. We've got a natural pool here, yeah. and um, we're still here. And I can't see us leaving anytime soon. Well, that's what you do, right? You, you help people create
0: that space that they want to be in for decades, um, you know.
1: Yeah, so, yeah. I, I define a forever home as a home you plan to live in for 10 plus years. So the intention is you're going to stay there long term rather than the objective of building something that you plan to flip in a couple of years. Oh. The emotional connection is very different. And so um, that's why I talk about the fact that the home is a reflection of you because you plan to stay there long term. You need to really fall in love with the space.
0: Yeah, I love that. And so tell tell these guys like a little bit about what you do and how you do it and then give us some of your like those hottest tips you've got. You know, I'm sure they can buy the book and, and read it, but uh, having you here live also, like tell us what's important.
1: So I suppose the really important thing is when you're creating a home that you plan to live in long term, so that 10 plus years, the forever home um is you need to make sure that it's flexible so you want to be able to have a home that's adaptable Uh, i see so many floor plans where uh it's really set up for a very specific period of the owner's uh life stage and so of course a lot happens in 10 years and i'll say 10 years but if you're planning to stay there even longer 20 years you know you may have started the process with no children then you've got babies and toddlers and you know yourself it's then they become teenagers and I have so many clients who are now empty nesters or they were empty nesters for a short period and then they're coming full circle and they've got grandchildren and they are now going through that whole process all over again. So I feel that I suppose one of the top tips is make, spend the time on your floor plan, make sure that the floor plan is so right and don't have any doubts about it. And, and it's often um, really worthwhile getting a second opinion on your floor plan, someone that's not involved, so that yes. they can really review it with a fresh set of eyes to make sure that Rooms can be multiple things. They can be more than one thing over the life of you staying in the home, that they're not just set up as one thing. Um, So I often advise clients to not have built-in furniture in the study, for example, because that room might be able to be a bedroom or a nursery or a playroom over the lifetime of you staying in that home. So I am really passionate about floor plans. Um, And some people feel that I want to get out, I want to start building, I want to get out of the ground, I want to get this, I want to get into my new home. And they rush that floor plan stage and they live with a lot of regrets.
0: Wow. So where do you get involved, Frances? Is it at the prior to building or do you also work with people that currently have a home that they want
1: to... At any stage. I always say, and that'll probably lead me to um, another top tip. So to answer your question, it is as early as possible, get your interior designer, but also all of your team involved in your new build or your extension or your renovation, as soon as possible, because there's so many things that you need to make decisions on prior to the build actually commencing or the renovation commencing. And if you've got these people involved early, they can work as a team. And it means that the outcome for you is going to be so much better than using individual consultants working in silos. So I suppose, um, you know, I can come in at any stage. Sometimes people don't know about what we can provide and how we can add so much value early on, or they may not have found us early enough. So we can come in at any time, but my advice to listeners is get people involved as soon as possible. Which Mm -hmm. leads me to the second uh, key takeaway, which is get your team of experts that you're going to have to support you in your project involved early, but really get the right team Make sure that you're, um, you know, really fleshing out who is going to really understand what you're trying to achieve. They're going to be with you for a long time. So you need to have a connection with these people. Not, you know, it's like your friends, you need to feel like these people get you, but they're going to save you a lot of time and money and provide advice and expert knowledge to support and help you make the right decisions for your home. And often it's things you hadn't even thought about and that's why you engage them.
0: That's right. You ask the questions that we don't think about asking ourselves
1: because you just do it day in and day out, right? That's right. Yeah. I mean, that's what it's like you know, you go to a doctor to get expert advice. So Mm -hmm. you're not expected to know all that information. That's why everyone has an expert, they've all got their area of expertise. So um, they're going to help you along the way. It's an investment to make sure you're making the right decisions and that you are exposed to things you hadn't even thought about.
0: Yeah, and that you're not backtracking having made, you know, silly decisions or ones without, because, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't know what you do um, and vice versa. This is why, you know, we would engage each other's expertise if if we needed to solve
1: a particular problem, right? Yeah, that that's absolutely right. And it's so often that I hear people say to us when they have engaged us, oh, my goodness me, I would never have thought of that or I would never have known that that was going to have this impact or I would never have even known where to get that particular material or so we're exposing them to things because of our expertise and that's what you're ending up or that's what you're investing in is to get that expertise, to get it right. And I suppose when it's a forever home, it's not a house you're going to flip, the um, the risk is so much higher, really, when it's your own home, because you're going to live there for a long time. And what I often see people make is mistakes that they can't fix. They can't retrofit it and fix it. And that's where my heart breaks. It's like, if only you had have known this prior. So that's why it goes back to the first thing I was saying about getting people involved, experts involved earlier. Yeah, it's not just yeah. an interior designer, architect, landscaper, your builder, and your, they're the key, the key four, your yeah. team that are going to work together to all driving for the right outcome for you.
0: I love that. So is that why you wrote the book? Tell me why you wrote the book. Like, you know, obviously you, you have huge expertise, but, yeah, what was the reason behind it?
1: Uh, I suppose I wrote the book for a few reasons. One, I had a lot of people asking me, um, oh, can you direct me to a book? that can help me prepare myself for the build, prepare me for the journey. And when I went, started looking for a book to get, to give them a recommendation for, I realized that there wasn't actually a book available that was, there's a lot of books on the market for owner builders and that's a completely different process. And there were, I think I found one book in the States, but again, it wasn't talking about um how it works in australia so i thought okay well people are asking me for this book there isn't a book i'll write the book about the book (laughs) i'll write the book and then um and look so many of my clients have read the book prior to to going down the journey so it's a really good preparation for them to understand the things that they may be asked or what they need to think about what they're going to need to make decisions on. But that was mm-hmm. the real uh, driver for me to write the book. Plus, yeah. I had, uh, I suppose, so many other questions that clients were asking me separately that I thought, well, that can go in the book. There's obviously a desire for people to know X, X, and X, so mm-hmm. I'll create the book. But really, it was because there wasn't a book around that was really targeting people to get a little bit more information to feel a little bit more confident about going down probably one of the biggest projects you'll ever engage yourself in. Oh, absolutely. And I think educating them ahead
0: makes your job easier as well, doesn't it? Because they, well, they're asking
1: they, it does. It, they're yeah. asking the right questions and it means that uh, they feel more confident and mm-hmm. and that 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 means everyone's in a in a much better position. And I am really passionate about um you know, making sure that my clients are educated. I'm not one of these people that's like, well, this is the way it's going to be. It's I want them to understand the differences between different materials or why you may make this decision over another. Yeah. Because once you're armed with that information and you're educated, it means that you can make really informed decisions. And I'm really passionate about that, which is why I also have my own podcast so that people can also just get more and more information to help them make the right decisions, whether they engage us or not.
0: Yeah, I love that. Education is key and I'm currently wanting to uh, get into a particular area that I'm educating myself and what did I do? I've got a book, uh, you know, to do that Uh, because I always, even when people come to me, I want them to actually attend my seminar, read my book before they have a conversation with me so they can be making informed decisions as to why you should be making, you know, or you should be taking this next step. So that's amazing. What's the name of your podcast?
1: It's called My Forever Home. My Forever um, Home. <laughs> so it's all linked to the Forever Home. I mean that I actually own the trademark for Forever Home. I'm really, really passionate about that space, uh, and yeah. it really is the niche that I work with because of the emotional connection makes me it just floats my boat uh, that people yes. are con- emotionally connected to their homes. So there's the book um, mm-hmm. Your Forever Home, but the podcast is My Forever Home, and there's also online courses. Also under the My Forever Home um, label, where people can go and educate themselves on kitchen design, bathroom design, or if they want to do the complete interior design of their own home, also under My Forever Home.
0: Yeah, I love that. Awesome. So, what's another hot tip? Give us another tip
1: about
0: you know, uh, what about so if the you've already got a current home. Like, what are the things you
1: look at first? Oh, well, that's awesome actually, because the 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 third tip I had was and this is for any stage, this is for you if you're renovating or if you're just decorating, be guided by what you love. So Mm -hmm. don't worry about what you see on the block. Don't worry about what you're seeing in magazines. Trends will come and go. But if you are making decisions based on things that you love, things that really give you a connection, uh, whether it be colour, whether it be a style, whether it be a pattern that you absolutely love, if you are making choices based on that alone it will not matter what trends come and go because they are things that have resonated with you for a long period of time and you will never tire of them and it means that your home is a real reflection of you so as an example you know i'm crazy about the color teal and i have teal and green throughout my home. And I don't really care whether people like my home. I don't care whether it is the latest trends or not. I have chosen things in my home that are things that I've always loved. So you cannot go wrong when you are driven by your heart rather than what uh, you're seeing in the magazines. Yeah, I agree with that. And we, so, we know my monochrome style. <laughs> I, know, I know, I know your style and that is, to- and you love your style and you're true to your style. And it doesn't matter whether anyone else likes that style or not. And I, I ask, so this is what, this is a test for you to know whether you're being driven by trends or whether you're being driven by your heart. And that is, um, think about for, for example, a particular color, how long have I loved that color? That particular color, you can ask yourself: Is it just because I've seen it around in the shops recently, or have I always loved that color? What are the colors you wear a lot? Um, they are really good indicators of colors you should probably incorporate into your home.
0: Yeah, I love that. There you go. Ask yourself that question. <laughs> Today I've got my black and white, a little bit of white
1: here. <laughs> yeah, you're you love white. You love the white and okay. the monochromatic tones. I'm mean, actually white Sorry,
0: what
1: was, was that? that
0: I was just saying we just put on an all-white party with the kids on Saturday
1: night, and people oh, had to dress all white. Come, I time. saw. Yeah, and look, monochromatic's awesome because I've actually got quite a monochromatic home, and then I add pots a, of watch. pots of colour based on my mood and the seasons. So yeah. I have really earthy colours coming out in winter and I bring in, you know, foliage from the garden and things like that. And then in summer I then inject brighter colours. Yes. Um, and that's also where you can, you know, not spend a lot of money and have things that, um, you know, that, that are really represent representing how you feel at the time.
0: Yeah, yeah. I remember our very, very first time with Stuart, we had the splash of yellow amongst the monochrome um and in that queensland house we've got this splash of red um that you can see in various different spots around the place so i get what you're saying can change the yeah with the seasons and it feels a little different Uh, i don't know what it is but um can you tell me do your daughters do this do they rearrange their room furniture um you know to get it like to feel like it's different
1: yeah yeah absolutely and look kids are really good with that they're really good with, oh, you know, I want to, and I know I did that as a kid as well. I oh, slept yeah, under my time. bed as a cubby for for years and just rearranged everything. But we can do that in our own um, home. So for example, when I'm talking about that flexible floor plan, it's ideal if your lounge room, your open plan can actually be reconfigured in different orientations. Yes. So in my own house, I have a winter setup and a summer setup.
0: Ah, and yep. so
1: I have my sofa facing facing a completely different direction in summer. And I call it the party setup because it's more open. And then in winter, I change the direction of the sofa so that it feels more cozy. I put a rug down. In summer I pull the rug up and it totally changes the feel. And people go, oh, what have you done to your house? And all yeah. I've done is change the orientation of the sofa. So mm-hmm. if you've got flexibility with how a space can actually be laid out, it's like going on a holiday. You have a different feeling,
0: yeah. different yeah. vibe. I highly recommend doing that because I remember also in our first home, we used to live in the summer. In It had two lounges at the two ends of the house and one was yep. like the summer lounge and the other was the winter. We would live in completely different spots in the house. So floor plan, floor plan,
1: guys, That's that's it's, the most important thing. It's all about the floor plan. And look, I do a floor plan sanity check. Just because people want to know, look, is it, is it right? You know what the number one thing is that I do with a floor plan sanity check when I'm looking at it for someone is putting in doors. People underestimate the value of doors because doors give you flexibility. They allow you to make a space more than one thing. When everything is open plan, which, people are a little bit obsessed with you lose the flexibility yep. to be able to make spaces different things so I think I'm yet out of probably looking at a hundred floor plans I'm yet to have one where I'm not putting indoors in, doors in oh, lots of different spots I it is it. the value indoors and they can be double sliding doors so you can still create an illusion of space they don't need to be one hinge door to make a space feel small Um, they are gold and um, I'm seeing more and more people now um, wanting to have more enclosed cozy spaces
0: yeah I love that Uh, we have a massive lounge room I don't know if you've been at this house but then it's got this second lounge room that's got those doors and uh, when we had the party we had the three kids in three different areas with all their different friends hanging out. Like you say, they grow and they change. And it's like yeah. the theatre room's like a whole other hangout space for the boys that are you know, yeah. the oldest and all that. And my daughter just said, oh, I love to hang out in the second kid's lounge room. And the, we were, the adults were in the main lounge and they just closed those doors and then they were that, hanging out in there.
1: So. And that's gold. And having the second living, that, he's, that does have doors, but a lot of floor plans the second living is open. It doesn't have doors. But people forget about then the noise. So, uh, you know, yeah. you've got a TV going in one and you've got the TV going it's in the going open. The if you don't oh, have yeah. doors... Yeah. Um, but also having a different flooring type. So we've got a second living and I call it the winter room because it's got carpet. Yeah. The open plan yeah. doesn't have carpet. Yeah. So we can create a really cozy environment. I've got heavy drapes in there. So in winter, we all congregate in there, even yeah. though it's not it's smaller, because we want to feel cozy. Yeah. You want to create different yeah. feelings in different spaces. Yeah. So many things to think about.
0: I'm just, yeah, as you're talking, my head's like going, yep, yep. That we've got that's exactly how he was it was an owner builder for this particular home. Um yeah. and the guy he keeps moving his wife to the next house. But they created this was gonna be their forever home, I think. Yeah. And the woman thought they were never gonna move and three years after, like, you know, obviously we bought, bought the house, but they they made it with love.
1: And and that's the thing, yeah. a forever home is not necessarily until you're in your grave. It is the intention is you're gonna stay there long term. Life changes. Things may be thrown at you you're not expecting, but you're going in there with the mindset of we plan to stay here. Who knows what happens to us down the track?
0: Yeah, yeah, beautiful. All right, any other hot tips? Are you going to
1: tell us a, a, a little bit about the journey of writing the book? Yeah, of course I'll <laughs> go through the journey. Um, yeah, like we were talking about before, I've got to put on my memory, but I do remember it very um, very vividly. I suppose the last thing is invest in key pieces. Um, we have, unfortunately, what I call in Australia, a, a very much a, a disposable mindset when it comes to interiors. It's, it's not a, um, it's fast fashion interiors, I call it. So like we have fast fashion for clothing. Unfortunately, the mindset here is very much fast fashion interiors. And what I mean by that is if I buy cheap, uh, it doesn't matter because I can throw it away. Now, that's got a lot of implications for the environment, for sustainability, but it also means that you're not investing really good quality pieces. So I always would suggest buy the best you can afford, key pieces like sofas, dining tables and things like that because they will stand the test of time and you only need to buy them once. When I lived in Europe for 12 years, particularly in the Netherlands, their mentality, even for the younger generation, is when I buy something I'm going to save up, I'm going to buy really good quality because that's going to stand the test of time. And you're generally then buying really good design, which is comfortable and is going to to last you. So it's a false economy when you're buying things thinking it's cheap because it's not going to last. And then you're going to have to replace it it anyway. You're going to (laughs) buy five times. Exactly. So it's a false economy. So I have still got in my home. Uh, Things that I bought when I lived in Amsterdam, which is a good 30 years ago now, 25 years ago, I still have those pieces in my home today. Uh, They have stood the test of time. I saved and I saved and I saved when I was in my mid-20s and and I've still got them because they are classic design and they're beautiful and they are part of my journey. They're part of my life story. Let's fill our homes with stories of you. Let's not make them so... that that there's nothing in there that talks about your life story they're the most interesting homes to be a part of yeah
0: did you get them shipped is
1: that yeah I shipped them so I had pieces that I bought in London that I have here I've I've got pieces that I bought in the Netherlands uh, that I've got here and I yeah I had a big container that came over and shipped everything back Mm. they're part of my story and my art is part of my story and my home is then a reflection of these stages of my life and I want to remember those stages and have those things around me
0: yeah it's beautiful like you know your memories and they make you feel like they also show you what you've been through and achieved exactly and they
1: anchor anchor you to certain spots right absolutely right and it makes your home so much more interesting so that's -hmm. the other thing that I really encourage people to do so don't get rid of stuff um, because you think it's not magazine worth. I'm just not into that sort of stuff at all. So, um, so how yeah. do you
0: work with people, Francis? Is it you do a particular consultation to begin with? or
1: how do Yeah, you- we, we normally, uh, we work all over Australia. Yep. And uh, so, in fact, I've just picked up a client in the US, in California. Um, so we, you know, it might just be an initial consultation, uh, where I can advise, or it will be that we do, we do fixed price proposals basically, so you know exactly what's going to be delivered. It could be um, you know all the materials, it could be all the um, the design and the internal elevations, the kitchen design, the bathroom design, all the whole home. Um, it, it's just wherever we feel we can support our clients is is how we do that. So again, it can be remote or it can be you know in Melbourne because I'm based in Melbourne.
0: Yeah amazing amazing all right well i'll share your website in a minute but let's talk a little bit about you were a very good student when you had to write your book and you did complete it within the suggested and recommended three months that i said it should only take Mm -hmm. three to four months after you've been at the the retreat uh, program because obviously the editing the layout process and all that so how did you how did you find all of that experience obviously had never done it before
1: um, look, it was really well planned out. So, and I was a really good student. I thought if I'm going to invest this for myself and for my business, I need to, you, you put in what you get out. It's, it's the old, it's the old adage. And I came to the retreat and I'm really glad that I went to the, the retreat process because you could really focus. Um, and, and, but you needed to be prepared. There was no point sort of rocking up and not being prepared. And I was prepared. And I made sure that I did all the homework mm-hmm. and that I could really maximise my time at the retreat. And I did everything that was asked of me in that time. And I liked the structure that we had. You were able to help me work out what my chapters were going to be called and, and the structure of uh, the book. And, and then I went away and did all that homework or at the retreat. And I was able to record everything at the retreat. Um, It went exactly according to plan um, because I did the work prior. The recipe. (laughs) Exactly. And I could see that there were other students there that had not done that pre-work and then they weren't able to maximise their time at the retreat. And so um, I thought that was a missed opportunity. So I'm glad I did the work. Yeah. Um, and then I suppose I had a self-imposed deadline. I wanted to be able to have it out for a launch date that I had. I had my launch uh, sponsored by a supplier, and okay. so uh, I sorry, really, I came that night. Yeah, it was it, it, it was, was a really beautiful, beautiful. It was a beautiful night. I was very very lucky in that regard, and I had over a hundred people there, and it was. So I I had that self-imposed deadline. I thought there's no point having the book sit there in a manuscript format without getting it out there. If I'm going to do the work, you need to just get it over the line. And I think what you say about having it done in that short time period, that three-month time, it's realistic. I'm not going to lie though. It's a lot of work. I did a lot of work over the Christmas period. Cause that's just when I ended up doing the retreat in November yeah. and my book was out. I think it was end of Feb. I had it in my hand. So I did have to do a lot of editing and things over um, Christmas. You know, I'm a self-imposed or self-confessed yeah. bit of a perfectionist. Yeah. Um, other people may have gone through a different process. I think I went through maybe four or five iterations of the manuscript.
0: Yeah. Uh, that
1: was probably my choice. Yeah, uh, because I wanted to get it. I wanted to make sure that it was it was right. So, yeah, I think that there is really good merit in you saying, you know, just get it done because yeah. it sits there. Have a self imposed deadline. Mm. Have a launch date already planned. There's nothing yeah. like having mm. something that's a fixed.
0: Deadline. Yep. And
1: yeah. it was like, I've got my launch. Then I have got a, someone helping yeah. me do that launch. I've yeah. got to have the book then. So. Mm it just had to be done. And I think it's the best way to do it. And then you got it in your hands. It's like, now you can just get on with it. So tell me about the get on with it part. So I'm
0: curious because it's been five and a half years, right? And so- It has been five and a half years. We've watched each other, you you know, go through various stages of our businesses and we finally caught up, you know, recently at our conference. So what are some of the opportunities and things you believe this book has been able to- Kind of doors that have opened.
1: Them. I suppose that there's a couple of a couple of just absolute obvious ones is just social proof. It's it's you know there's there's enough merit in okay you've got information you're backing yourself you've you've written a book. So people will read the book and then engage us uh, because it's like, okay, this, you know, and I suppose there's other things that it's all part of a package. So the book in isolation, but then I've also got the podcast, which didn't happen straight away that only it's been around for two years. Um, You know, when you combine it with all these other things, it just builds your um, credibility. So it's credibility building, but I think it needs to be used in combination with a whole lot of other credible credibility factors as well okay. um, but the other thing it really did for me was it opened doors for me to be able to speak at national home shows um, so i think it was yeah 2017 i just launched the books so i had it in you know in february in my hands and then there was a home show in april and i was able to speak yeah. and uh, and it was because of the book that i was able to speak and i am five years later, still getting people call me saying I saw you at the home show. You probably won't remember me. Uh, and and often I do, but they are still calling me after that. So that was such an amazing um opportunity. But it yep. was the book that enabled me to speak at the home show in Melbourne. Yeah. And I'm now still speaking at the home show in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. But that particular one, they allowed me to sell books and I sold, you know, over a hundred books uh over a couple of days people just waited in line for me to sign the book and sell the book so and once they've got it in their hands it's it's a it's a constant reference oh yeah top of mind so it's always things top of mind and um and then of course I tried to obtain um you know email addresses and things like that that I could still um you know have an engagement with those people as well
0: amazing oh that's that's music to my ears i always love also the fact when someone does have a business behind the book it is a number of activities it's not just a book on its own like i love you right. but your podcast you mentioned online courses you've developed and all of the books and collateral i mean the, the book that i'm currently reading the reason i'm reading is because most likely i'm going to engage that company and why would i not they've built trust with me for me right. receiving this information which is the same with you so let's tell these guys who've been listening and who will be listening down the track uh, to this via podcast or, um, or a video, you know, where they can get the book. Um, so, Francis, what the, you better say at your website. Um, uh,
1: so, they can get the book. At, so, my actual consulting business is whitepebbleinteriors.com.au. Yeah? Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
1: so, there's, there's you can get the book directly uh, from there under resources. Also under the resources tab is where you'll find the podcast. Uh, I've been a guest on other podcasts and you'll also find um, blogs there as well as the online courses. Uh, There's a a courses tab as well. So uh, there's lots and lots of information on the website at whitepebbleinteriors.com.au that you can access um, for free as well as the additional resources that you can um, purchase for a really reasonable price.
0: I love that. So it's all here. I've been just showing it. If you're watching this obviously on video, you can see what I've been showing around on the website where the courses are, the resources tab. So once again, the website is white just spelled all normally. Uh, and the yeah. we'll cover of Francis's home on her um, her book. That's awesome. Thank you so much. I think um you've given me uh food for thought. And I hope those that are listening, um, and if you're in that stage of wanting to create or you're about to build or whatever it is or you're thinking and researching read a book like this but you know so you're making informed decisions along the way and talk to experts like francis uh, to help you on the journey so thank you so much francis wow, I really thank you nat and everybody go out and now smash it out especially at your week and um and i'll see you guys next week with another author bye mm-hmm.